We are in a series we are calling Behold. And we think this is an important message this time of year. And I'll just tell you the, the premise for the series is this. Here's the idea. You become what you behold. You become what you hold. All of us are beholding something. Something has your attention. Something has your focus, even during this season. And, and here's the truth. You become what you behold. It may be a person. It may be a philosophy. It may be a career. It might be a certain issue that's going on in your life. It might be a, a habit or, or a hurt in your life. But give it enough time, eventually you become what you behold. And so we think this is a, a very important message for us right now. Now, Christmas. I mean, it's, it's a time that just kind of takes us back to our, our childhood. So I want to ask you for just a moment, if you'll just go back to your childhood. Some of us are going to have to go back a little bit farther than others, but that's okay. I just want you, just for a moment, I want you to go back to your childhood. And I want you to think about who it was that you wanted to be like. Who was it? As a child, who was it that you would imitate? Who is it that you would just want to, to be like? Last weekend, Samuel took us all the way back to the 1990s. And he reminded us that back in the 1990s, if you loved basketball and you were a basketball player in the 90s, who did you want to be like? Mike. Everyone wanted to be like Mike, Michael Jordan. But not me. I am a child of the 80s. A proud child of the 80s. And I will tell you, I loved basketball too, but I did not want to be like Mike. I wanted to be like, wait for it, wait for it, Larry Bird. <laughs> Come on now, Larry Bird, what, hey, in the 80s, he was the man. Disagree with me, but you will be wrong because he was the man. And I would watch every home game of the Boston Celtics in the 80s, especially the mid 80s. Now. Side note here, you may be wondering why in the world would a kid who grew up in the middle of the country in Arkansas be a Boston Celtics fan? I get this question all the time. Well, here, here's what happened. You see, in Arkansas, we don't really have a, a, a pro sports team, but we did have a satellite dish. Now, I'm not talking about one of those dishes that you put on your roof, right? I'm talking about the one that went in your backyard because it took up half your backyard. The satellite dish, it was huge. It, ours, it wasn't even motorized. You had to go out and crank it to turn it so that it would receive the signal. And oh, did we ever receive the signal. I loved sports, but it only got one sports channel. And it was the New England Sports Channel. And I got to watch every home game of the Boston Celtics. I would watch Larry's every move. I would go out in the yard underneath the hoop and I would practice every move. I would pretend that I was hitting the game winner. The buzzer would go off time after time after time. I watched so much of their games. People, this time of year, they would ask my mom and dad, well, what, what should we get Travis for Christmas? And they would say, hey, you can't go wrong. Anything Celtics. I mean, my entire closet 
was green. I even had the jersey. I still have the jersey. Maybe one of these days I'll show it to you. But you see, what was happening is, even as a child, and I don't know who this might have been for you, but for me, it was Larry, it was the Celtics. I, I was becoming what I was beholding. Well, sort of. You see, I, I could wear the jersey, but that was about it. I hadn't taken this small detail into account. I was not 6'9". I was not 220. I was not winning any games for the Celtics. I was not even winning any games for us. I can still, I can still hear my middle school coach saying, come on Eads, who do you think you are? Larry Bird? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, he hasn't seen my jersey. See, it wasn't much of a change. Yeah, I could, I could wear the jersey, but, but that, was, that was about it. Now, for some of us, for some of us, when it comes to the Christian life, we, we've been wearing the jersey. You know, I, we've been wearing the name of Jesus. If someone were to ask us, do you believe in Jesus? We would say, yes, absolutely, I do. If someone were to say, are you a Christian? Like most of our country, we would say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. But kind of like me wearing the Celtics jersey. That's, that's about it. For some of us, we're wearing the, the jersey, but our lives, the, the results, it, it don't, don't look much different than, than everyone else in the world. And this can be so frustrating because we wear the jersey, but we don't see the results. And I'm not talking about the results on the outside. I'm not talking about hitting a, a game winner. I'm not talking about being able to see a certain behavior or, or some kind of action in your life on the outside. I'm talking about those things that we come to Christmas for every year after year looking for. Inner peace, right? I mean, we, we're looking for, we come to Christmas and we go, okay, I, inner joy, truth, inner love, hope. These are the things that we come to for at Christmas and it can be very frustrating when we do not experience those things. But to know those things is not to just wear the jersey, to know those things is to know Jesus. And my friends, this is where a lot of us tend to get stuck. Because we come to this time of year and we go, well, what is the true meaning of Christmas? I mean, the, the gift giving, we get that. The, the food, oh boy, did we get that. All the parties that we've got to go to, we, we get all of that. But when it comes to the true meaning of Christmas, well, sometimes we get stuck. Because we have questions, deep questions that even the sweet and sentimental nativity scene cannot answer. And so we have questions. The people around us have questions. And one of the questions nobody wants to say out loud, nobody wants to ask, maybe we don't even want to say. So I'm just going to say it out loud this morning for some of us. The question is, what is the big deal about the baby in the manger? 
For some of us, that's the question. What is the big deal about the baby in the manger? And you need to know if you're here today and you're asking that question, well, you're not alone. That is the question that people were asking even 2,000 years ago. If they even knew of his birth, most of them were oblivious to it, but if they knew, other than some shepherds, some wise men, most of the people were saying, what's the big deal about the, I mean, come on. You ever seen a baby? What's the big deal? And so we have these questions. And here's, here's what we know. We can't behold him if we don't know him. We can't behold what we don't know. And, and this was what happened to a lot of people in that day and time when Jesus came to earth is, well, they couldn't behold him because they didn't know him. And so I want to spend our time today talking a little bit about the true meaning of Christmas. What can we know about Jesus? I mean, these are the questions that we come to. These are the questions that the world is asking. Questions like, who was Jesus? Questions like, um, why did he come? And questions like, what difference does it make to me now with what I'm going through in my life right now? I mean, come on, what difference does it makes. So that's where we're going to spend some of our time. We're going to spend some time in the first chapter of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn them to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 20. And as you're turning there, I'll just give you a little background. This is Matthew who's writing, I believe. Matthew, tax collector, Matthew. Walked with Jesus, Matthew. And Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians. Now, here's the significance of this. He's writing to, to Jews that now believe that, in fact, Jesus was the Messiah. And so he's writing to commend them in their belief. He's wanting to strengthen their faith, these Jewish Christians, because they have questions. I mean, can you imagine the division in these Jewish families? While some believe that Jesus has come to bring salvation to the earth, there are other members of their family on the other side of the table believing that belief in Jesus is actually bringing punishment upon the land. And you thought you had a hard time with your conversations, it's your holiday dinners with your family. I mean, come on, this is true. And so Matthew is writing to these people and he wants them to know the true meaning of Christmas. We're going to start in verse 20. Look at what he says. But after he had considered this, now, who is he? He is Joseph. After he considered this, what did he consider? Well, Joseph is considering a quiet divorce of Mary. Why? Well, because she is pregnant and it's not his child. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the who? Holy Spirit. Now, we just concluded a series on the Holy Spirit. We said the Holy Spirit comforts, the Holy Spirit calls, the Holy Spirit challenges, the Holy Spirit convicts. 
We did not talk about the Holy Spirit conceiving. But don't worry, it only happened once. But Matthew is giving us a clue to who is Jesus. He's giving us a clue. Saying this is not a man. This baby boy is on the way. And it's not a man. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about the beauty of this. Every time I get an opportunity to talk about this, I want to. But there's this beautiful unity and harmony among the Godhead. God the Father sends God the Son to earth. Conceived by God the Holy Spirit. This beautiful dance among them. This beautiful fellowship is what brings Jesus to earth. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, first clue. But there's a second clue. He goes on in verse 21. Let's continue to read. She will give birth to a son, and this is the angel continuing to talk to Joseph. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, there's a clue in here. It, it's it's kind of easy to miss it in the English, but in the Hebrew, we begin to see this, and I think this clue would have meant even more to these Jewish Christians that Matthew is writing to. When we look in the Hebrew, we see he will give the name Jesus, but in the Hebrew, this is Yeshua. And then he goes on to say, because he will save, and this verb save, in the Hebrew, Yoshia. Yeshua, Yoshia. You start to hear the sound. And, and out of this comes this beautiful word play that Joseph would have understood. He would have gotten this message loud and clear. You see these two words, they come from the same root word. And Yeshua is actually a very, very common name. So Jesus, Yeshua, very common names. A lot of boys would have had that name. But it came from, it's an abbreviated form that came from Yehoshua. Yehoshua. Yehoshua means God saves. Okay. So in essence, what the angel is saying to Joseph, there will be a, a son. You will call him God saves and he will save. It's almost as if the angel is saying to Joseph, everything that you need to know, you can find in his name. Now, Joseph, I, I know that this has never happened. You've never experienced anything like that. No one's experienced anything like this, but I know, and I know this is weird. But hold on just a second. Everything you need to know about what's about to happen, you can answer in his name. God saves. Two simple words that I believe answer two very deep questions for us. And it answered it for Joseph. First question that people are asking is, who is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, if someone were to ask you who is Jesus, you, you might consider saying, God saves, with a little emphasis on the God part. Can you just say that with me? God saves. He was God, 
Who is Jesus? He was God. He was fully God. Yes, he was fully man, but he was fully God. Another gospel writer, John, he writes in the first chapter of his gospel, look at what he says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, John, who is this word you speak of? Does anyone know? Jesus. The word was Jesus. In the beginning was the word. You see, the word, it was the true expression of God. You see, when when John speaks of the word, just like right now I'm expressing myself in words, God was expressing himself in the word. When Jesus came to earth, God was revealing himself. To see the son is to see the father. The perfect revelation of God. The perfect expression of God. John goes on in verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Two different gospel writers writing it at two different times in full agreement on the identity of Jesus. Who was Jesus? And we might say God saves there's a second question, a very deep question that I think is still found in these two simple words. Why did he come? If someone were to ask you, why did he come? Well, you might say, God saves. With a little emphasis on the saves part this time, can you say that with me? God saves. Why did he come? God saves. He came to save. Look at this. You've probably heard of John 3.16. But have you read John 3.17? This is cool. John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what church? Save the world through him. God, we, we see it again. God saves. And then we see it here in Matthew. Back in Matthew 18. We see for the son of man has come to what? save the lost there it is again God saves why did he come God saves I still remember the night that God saved me I grew up in a in a a small church a small church um, where I learned to love Jesus church where I I learned to love the local church. And in our tradition where I grew up, the preacher would always end his message with uh, an invitation. And then, I mean, just like clockwork, every time, there would be an invitation song. Like I grew up watching this over and over. I knew what was going to happen. The preacher was going to give the invitation. There was going to be an invitation song. And everyone would stand around and wait to see if anyone would walk down that aisle. I was a kid watching this growing up, but you know what? I, 
I didn't want to give up me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just didn't want to give up me. And so I, I remember saying, I'm, I'm never doing that. Like, I don't, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. And then one December, it's Christmas time. It was actually uh, Christmas Eve. I remember that day I thought, okay, tonight is the night. And so we went to a Sunday evening service, Christmas Eve. Preacher preached, gave the invitation. Sure enough, the invitation song. I was sitting right there on the aisle, and it was time. I mean, it was verse one. And I could not move. I'm having this inner dialogue, you know, like, hey, I thought we were going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a long way to walk down there. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like 30 steps. This building is so small. And I was like having this inner dialogue and it's verse two. And I know that they usually do about three verses and the clock is running and the time is running out and I can't move. And then I just had this thought. I'm a sinner. Now, I'm not like... I made some mistakes or not like, you know, I've just messed up a little bit. I'm talking about like there is something in me wrong with me that I can't do anything about. I'm a sinner. I guess I need a savior. This Jesus that I've grown up hearing about, I, I need him. And I don't really want to live without him anymore. And it was that thought, it was that thought that caused me to take one step out in that aisle. And that caused me to take another step and another step and another step down that aisle to the point where I got halfway down the aisle and it would have been really weird for me to turn around and go back. <laughs> I went down to the front of that aisle um, front of that church and I stood before them and I confessed my need for a savior and my belief and my trust in Jesus Christ and that very night I was baptized I went down into the waters publicly declaring that I was well I was letting go of me that old life was going away and then I was raised to new life and things would never be the same and my friends that is the night that God saved me Now, I wish we had time for every single one of you who has a God saves story to come up here and stand and just, wouldn't that be cool? Just one by one, just everyone come up here and just to tell their God saved me story. Maybe we'll consider that sometime. Maybe, maybe we, might, we might do that. But you know what? You don't have to wait for an opportunity like that to tell your story. If you have a God saves story, story, then you have an opportunity to share it. Just a real practical thing. I would encourage every single one of you, write it down. I know that seems like a, a simple thing, but I want to encourage you to, to write down your God saves story. And then I want you to look for an opportunity to share it. I know it seems simple, but there are a lot of people especially this time of year, who's searching for meaning, searching for purpose. What is the true meaning of Christmas? 
And there's nothing more frustrating than coming to Christmas hoping to find something and just being so frustrated because it's empty. But the true meaning of Christmas, it is anything but empty. Some of you, you need to share your God saves story with somebody this Christmas. For me, that was 31 Christmases ago. I wonder if maybe for some of you, this is the Christmas where you will, for the first time, take a step. And then take another step. Maybe, maybe your first step is, is to say, okay, I've been wearing the jersey. But that's about it. And I want Jesus to be the source of my life. So I'm going to take a step to say, Jesus, be the source of my life. Now for some of you, it's to receive Jesus for the very first time. To say yes to Jesus. Maybe, maybe your God saved story starts today. Why not? Why not let it start today? We have prayer ministers, elders here in just a moment. We're going to give you an opportunity to come tell somebody, I'm ready to receive Jesus today. For them to guide you into to baptism, just as I did, to publicly declare that your faith in Jesus and come out of that water signifying new life, new life. Maybe, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe this is the, the December for you to begin your God saves story. If you're not a Christian, there's more. But if you have been wearing the jersey and that's about it, I want you to know that there is so much more. And over the next two weeks, you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks. The next few weeks. Okay, you're never going to want to miss church the rest of your life, okay? <laughs> but here's what I'm trying to say. We're, we're going to be talking more about what difference does this make in your life. How can you go from just kind of going through the motions and, and what, what does it really look like for you? But for right now, can I just encourage you this Christmas, behold Jesus. And don't just give him a, a passing glance. Let him, let him have your gaze. Because my friends, you will become what you behold. And you were created to become a true expression of our relationship with God. So, there may be some people around you who might have some questions. They might want to know, who is Jesus? They might ask, why did he come? And if they do, well, we would just simply say, God saves. Father, we thank you for that truth. We thank you for salvation. That salvation has come. We thank you for saving us from our sin. But Father, we thank you for saving us for life, for eternal life, for eternal life even now. 
Father, may our lives find a true expression of who you are. Just as Jesus was the word, the perfect expression of who you are. Your heart and your very nature revealed. May it be so. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.